Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome and listeners to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We're always talking everything college hoops. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio for getting us in your earbuds and in your speakers. Thanks to Bell Jar for getting us in and out with that intro music. And thanks for carving out some time, tuning in on the dial. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. Mike, I think we're getting close enough to the season where we can start talking like top 25-ish teams. What do you think? To quote Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, you're god darn right we are. Today is September 12th, which means we are one month away from Kentucky's March Madness. It's October 12th. Can you believe that? That is That, that date is accurate? You're darn right it is. And tickets go on sale September 28th, in case you and I want to head down there and get some ourselves. Wow, that is exciting. I hope that they have some sort of dunk contest. I hope they put up some three. That uh, that that sounds exciting. I think a month away sounds just about right. I'm down with that. I'm ready to go. 100%. I can't wait. Uh, because, of course, this is a season with no storylines, right? There's no, no storylines at all. No storylines. Yeah, we have to make up our own storylines. Roy Williams, Duke, uh, Loyola Chicago repeating, Nevada, Gonzaga. There's no storylines. College basketball. Enough, please. Do, do, do you want to even mention the UVA Tony Bennett Redemption Tour? Oh, you mean the national champions of 2019? Sure, that's fine. <laughs> I, know, I can't happen, guys. Because I got to tell you, if I read more, I read Reddit, I read all the college basketball articles I can find online. Right. If I hear the, the, the amount that that loss has been overblown is out of control. They're making it seem like he lost to a middle school team. For years, Gus, years, two seeds lost to 15 seeds. We had two number two seeds lose to 15 seeds in the same year. And one of them was shh, 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 Coach K. And no one said a word. <laughs> but if a, if a one loses to a 16, that's different. That's Because, t- you know, the 15 seed is so much more worthy than the 16 seed, right? Enough of this garbage, please. I can't wait for the Tony Bennett Redemption Tour to start. Uh, again, no. Again, listeners, no storylines. <laughs> that, that, that's laughable. I, uh, 15, I two, two, Gus, I'll argue that the two two seeds losing to the 15 seeds was bigger news than this one. Are you kidding me? We knew it was going to happen, and they didn't have DeAndre Hunter. But no, that doesn't matter because DeAndre Hunter only averaged nine points a game. Right, but nine points a game in Virginia is like 35 at any other school. Okay. Extrapolate that out. That, that That's a little bit more impactful than you Down think. screen. Back. Again, the other two seeds, do we want to mention it? The Kim English team, Sparty team, Missouri, Denzel yeah. Valentine team. Like, yep. those are good teams. A hundred percent. Oh, those my God. Those are good teams. In fact, Gus, if you want to go back to when we were in high school, okay, 1991, Syracuse loses to Richmond, okay? Now, that was an upset because it hadn't happened, okay? Then Arizona loses to Santa Clara. I think you know somebody played for Santa Clara. It's called Steve Nash. Okay, mm-hmm. 1993, 97, South Carolina loses to Coppin State. 2001, yep. Iowa State loses to Hampton when that coach kicks his legs in the air. Dr. Tony likes that. Right. Two, 2002 was, uh, 2012 was the year I was talking about. Duke loses to Lehigh. Missouri loses to Norfolk State. Then, of course, Georgetown, Florida Gulf Coast blew their doors off, by the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then, and then Michigan State losing to Middle Tennessee State, which until last year was the biggest upset ever. But that's okay. That's okay because you can't lose to a 16. So if Middle Tennessee was a 16, that's just a devastating loss. Please. Ridiculous. Listeners, here's what we're going to try to do for you guys. We're going to try to run through the, the, the Gus top 25-ish. We put together about 25-ish teams. We have some teams on the outside looking in. We'll give you a little rundown. Mike will give you his retort on whether he agrees, disagrees, or is in lockstep with some of those teams. And maybe some other talking points 
or some quote-unquote storylines for some of those teams that we might be getting to. We'll try to run through them as best we can. We know this podcast might be a longer one for you, so hopefully maybe it's a a two-commute podcast or a a one-and-a-half commute podcast. We're hoping to help out with the commute somewhere along the line. So, Mike, you want to go? Uh, you, want, you just want to do a little rundown of like the other teams that just missed the cut for this. A couple of these teams we mentioned on the previous podcast of teams that maybe would find their way into the top twenty-five that aren't quite there in any preseason ranking, but might find their way sometime during the season. You just want to give a quick rundown through those. When can we talk about Bobo? <laughs> I think he's. I think we'll get to him about midway. I think we can talk about Bobo midway. Yeah, okay, not about that. One of the teams that we we feel like is going to find their way there because of their toughness and because of their defensive uh, efficiency and tradition is uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. You know, quote unquote, in Mick we trust. We just want to say ahoy to Sam out there. Uh, What up? Thank you for chiming into the pod. Love that we have uh, listeners chiming in from all over the countries. Um, We think that maybe with the backcourt of Cumberland and Broom that they'll be a little undervalued and because of their profile and what they do on the defensive end and how they value on the offensive end. So Cincy might be one of those teams. Mike, I know that you're a little bit on, on, on Cincy, but we don't go too deep on any of these teams for sure. Listen, I love Mick Cronin. I love their style. I really am waiting for the year that, you know, like the down screen sort of bigger school like a Cincinnati makes it as opposed to Loyola Chicago and these other, these other schools. I just think they had a golden opportunity last year and they blew it. Yeah. They, they started the year 7-0. Then they lose to Xavier, okay, in, in the, the Crosstown shootout. And then um, the Florida game they lost, so they went back to back. Then they had a nice run. They ended up going from 7-2 and two all the way to 23-2. and two. So that's 16 wins in a row. Then they go to Houston and Gagot. Then they play Wichita State at home and lose at home to Wichita State. So I'm off the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And yep, sure enough, they, they turn around and they win at Wichita State, right. which to me was shocking. I may have lost a few bucks or two on my bookie. And my bookie's still sponsoring the podcast. And then they beat SMU. They beat Memphis. They beat Houston. So they win the tournament. I'm thinking they're ready to roll. They go in against Georgia State. They had Nevada dead to rights in a bracket that obviously opened up for them. Mm-hmm. And they blew it. Nevada had a great comeback, but every time there's a great comeback, one of two things happen. It's a great comeback, and it's a horrific loss. And that's what it was. I just yeah. don't see a situation where Mick Cronin is going to be anywhere near as successful as he was last year. He has players back this year. We know Kane Broom is going to come off the bench. Why? Because it's just what Mick does, but he doesn't have any offense. And if you're going to win in March, if you're going to win in the tournament, you have to be able to score. That's a fact, and I'm worried about that moving forward. Still like him, but I'm worried about that. I agree. I, I, I'm with you. I think Kane needs more touches and more responsibility, more minutes on the floor to facilitate some of that offense that you speak of. One of the teams that that bracket opened up for is Loyola Chicago. And some polls I've seen them in the top 10 and other polls I've seen them in the bottom of the top 25. But I think the Ramblers are going to be uh, you know, one of the teams to beat in the Valley, especially with the uh, uh, Yarbrough no- news for uh, Illinois State and the Redbirds, where he'll be suspended for an indefinite amount of time. Uh, when you take one of the best players off one of the best teams, that you know opens things up for Loyal Chicago. Of course, they're going to return Custer. They have Crutwood back, and they do have uh, Towns on the wing. So I think that's another team that is going to be peppered throughout. And I think because of their Final Four run, I think they have a little bit more stake in the game now, and people are going to give them a little bit more respect. So I can see Loyal Chicago being one of those teams as well. Two cents on uh, Loyal Chicago? I think you got Loyal Chicago too low. I think they got to be in the top 25. I remember yeah. last, last year they... 
They end up finishing the year 32 and 6. At the end of the regular season, they were 25 and 8. But remember, three of those losses came when Custer wasn't in the lineup. They right, lost, that, point. lost at Milwaukee, they lost at Missouri State, and they lost to Indiana State at home. And then he was back and they pretty much ran the table. So I think they got to be higher. I, I completely agree with you about Krutwig inside. The guy showed out in the tournament. Definitely. Big man, agile, nimble. I think they're going to be an issue. You bring back the player of the year in the conference and a big man. Forget all the other guys that are coming back. You just bring back those two pieces with Porter Mosher, who's a great coach. I think they're going to be real good. I think maybe you're right. Maybe I do have them a little bit too low. Maybe they should have snuck in there somewhere. Uh, the next two teams uh, will just partner together and bracket together because they're both from the Big East. I like St. John's and Marquette. I think both of these teams could make a jump up into the top 25 and, of course, St. John's into the other side of 500. That would be awesome. Uh, we'd love to see Marquette continue their offensive ways and maybe sure up a couple of things on the defensive end. And for St. John's, you just want to see Shamari Pons ball out and you want to see Coach Mellon get it right and you want to see St. John's be a factor. Anytime St. John's and Georgetown for that factor are you know at least on the national radar i think that's better for the sport it's better for college basketball so you want to see st john's uh make that jump up into relevancy and i think marquette does have the pieces in place with hauser and howard putting the ball up from three so i think those two big east teams are two teams to pay attention to as well i expect them to be at least at a minimum in the floor in the top three in the big east Mm -hmm. and listen it's a year for chris mullen st john's fans want to see him in the tournament they want to get him in there if mustafa heron ends up playing and plays in that backcourt with Shamori Pons, as, as, along as with Justin Simon as well, they're going to make the tournament. That's There's a- no doubt about it. They're going to make the tournament. So that's the key. And that's a big deal for St. John's. Man, imagine that. That would be. I would love if they were in the conversation in February and had some important games to play late in the Big East uh, season and then, of course, in the Big East tournament and MSG. That'd be great. Uh, I think another team, just because of the returning player they have, Ethan Happ, I think Wisconsin is another player that maybe – in a little bit of a down Big Ten year, I think they're a team to pay attention to that maybe could sneak into that top four or five spot in the Big Ten, uh, maybe behind Michigan and Michigan State somewhere in there. I think there's some space. Maybe Wisconsin can fit into that space. And, of course, we love uh, Brad Davidson uh, because of his toughness. And he played a ton of minutes even with all of those injuries to his shoulder and his body. So I like Wisconsin, and, of course, I like Happenside. I like Davison. I think he's tough. And I'm just not sure. Are we buying Greg Gard? Not sure. Are we? Because we, we're, we're done with the Bo Ryan hangover. Okay, so when the great coach leaves, they're always going to be good. He took over in December of 2015. So I'm not going to count the 15-16 season. That's out the window. But I'll count 16-17, 17-18. I think the jury's out on Greg Gard. I like Ethan Hatton. Um, I don't know if he's a first-team All-American player, which is what people kind of think he was. Last year mm-hmm. he was very disappointing. I like their style. But I wonder if we're judging Wisconsin through the prism of Bo Ryan Great point. or we're judging it through what they are. I-, I agree. I think the Big Ten is up for grabs. So I think they could absolutely have a real strong season if things go the right way. I also think they could be this year's Minnesota and just bottom out. Wow. Just a thought. That You know what? I think there's some validity to that. I think that, that that's logical. And yeah, that that would be talk about no storylines. That would be a really interesting storyline if the bottom fell out for Wisconsin. And the last team that I had on the outside looking in on the top 25-ish was NC State. It's going to be unbelievably crowded in the ACC, of course, but we feel like Keats has it going in the right direction. Unlike the conversation we had with Coach Gar, I think Keats is on the up and up, and I think he's heading 
pointing things in the right direction uh, for the Wolfpack program. He brings back uh, stud Torian Dorn, and he has a crew that he can build off of. And we always love Braxton Beverly as the uh, good karma point guard. So I think NC State, last team that will go through the quick rundown before we get to the, the meat of the top 25 here. I buy Kevin Keats. I think he's an excellent coach, and I'm in mourning for Omer Yurtseven going to Georgetown. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think they're going to be very tough. I think he does a good job. That's a crowded ACC. You're right. But I love Kevin Keats, so I'm buying it. Yeah, I think one of those – and we t- like we talked about on the podcast last week, one of those middle teams always does something interesting in the ACC, whether it be Notre Dame, whether it be last year with Florida State, whether it be in, in, in years past with uh, – uh, in NC State themselves making a, a Sweet 16 as a lower seed. So you feel like one of those ACC teams always sneaks in and does something interesting in March, and maybe NC State recaptures that glory and, and does that thing in March that and gets in and, and, and is that surprise ACC team. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you this, Gus, from the start. Yeah. NC State at home getting points. I'll take that bet every time, every time this summer, every time this year. NC State at home as an underdog getting points. I'll take it every time, and I think you'll make a lot more money than you'll lose. I think that's a good thing to stow away and put into the uh, treasure trove for later on the season. That is a little nugget of goodness right there. I like that, Mike Randall. All right, so here we go. We're going to get to the meat of the top 25. We'll just start at, uh, we're going to start at 27 because it's a top 25-ish. Uh, and then we'll run right up to number one. We'll try to go as quickly as we can and give you a little rundown of why we think those teams might be good, useful, uh, valid, and a threat to be successful this year. 27, I, I, felt, I felt like I had to put Washington in somewhere. They had too many guys back, uh, like the soft guard, uh, Noel, like uh, Theibel, like Dickerson. Uh, you love the change of culture that they had there. It went from being uh, kind of an NBA, get ready for the pros factory, to they put, a, they, they put importance on winning and how they're going to win. And you could totally catch that change of culture. And we talked about the the win against Kansas. We talked about the win, uh, the impact that they had early on in the season uh, prior to the conference play. And then, you know, they were in the conversation all season uh, and on the bubble. So you want to see Washington make take that next step with all of those returning players. So I, I like to see Washington in that 27 slot, just, just outside the top 25-ish. I like Washington a lot. Visit our YouTube channel, folks. Screen the Screener Podcast YouTube channel. We get videos up there and we give previews of the teams. We did a, you did a nice rundown on Washington and we ended up putting a video up there. Listen, 10 and 8 in conference, 21 and 13 overall. Dickerson's coming back. They got Penn Johnson coming in with a top 100. I like this team a lot. I think they are a lock for the tournament. I'm absolutely putting them in the tournament. I like where you have them and I think they're going to have a chance to have some big, big wins. Don't forget about the big 78 75 win at home against Arizona there with a three pointer at the buzzer. This is a team that's going to make the tournament, and I like what Mike Hopkins is doing. He's giving out the Starbucks gift cards. Big fan of Washington this year. Love where you have them. Do you think that maybe Washington can fall into the same category as your NC State? If they're an underdog at home, do you think that's a live play? Oh, well done. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, very, very similar. Because I'll of- tell you that. Because those teams, what you want is you want a good coach, right? And, and you have a good coach in both situations, right? You want a team that's versatile, has some guard play, has some big men, can do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and then has a unique style. You talk about all that Absolutely. time, unique style. Yeah. This is going to be you're, they're going to go in there. You're going to play the zone. You're going to have to seal the zone. You're going to have to play hot potato with the ball, hit the 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 foul line extended, pass it back out, make your jump shots, rebound out of his own. But Penn Johnson's there. He's seven feet tall. I can I can see the narrative. I can just see it happen. Yeah, right. I, I think they have that uh, unique style of play that's going to give people trouble on the road you're gonna force force them into difficult shots i think that makes sense yeah uh okay how about clemson at number 26 
they might have one of the best underrated backcourts in the entire nation. They're going to bring Marquise Reed back, who I really love. They got Sheldon Mitchell coming back. Uh, Brownell is finally out from the hot seat for a season or two. He won his, uh, you know, he won his, his tournament game. He got into the tournament even with injuries to to Dante Grantham. He did an unbelievable job as a coach last year, guiding this team. But I think the one unknown factor is who's going to help Elijah Thompson down low. Do they have that other required big to help him out? Amar Sims did last year uh, in, in, in nice fashion. He was kind of like the, the the fringe benefit of Grantham's injury. That might be a blessing in disguise. So he might see an even larger role for the Tigers. But I like I like Clemson. I think they're going to be one of those teams in the ACC that's going to be you know a pain in the tuchus to these top teams that are going to get all the play in the top of ACC. Basically, Bromel saved his job. He was going the wrong way. He saved it now. He's got Rita Mitchell coming back. He's got his, his backcourt duo. This team's going to be good. You return two seniors there to the backcourt, and you got Bromel, who had a solid year last year. Clemson's going to be an issue 100%. I, I, yeah, I can see them like continuing the success that they had last year. Maybe not taking the next step, but the next step is just kind of replicating what they did last year. And Gus, what were they, like a four seed? They're yeah. Like a four or five seed. Yeah. So that was a real solid season. I could see them being in the same range. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Can you see them being in like a five seed, six seed, and then like escaping the five, 12 upset? I could totally see that happening, yeah. Oh, 100%. And don't forget, in that game against Auburn, they toasted them. 84-53. That was a game we kind of liked Auburn. Uh, At least I did. 84-53, they blew them out. So that was a successful season. Uh, It was non-competitive. That game was one of the biggest blowouts in the whole tournament last year. How about at number 25? I'm going to put Purdue. I feel like we need to have uh, another Big Ten team in there. And this is one of those picks, much like including Wisconsin in the also-rans or also-getting votes. I think this is just like a player pick. I really trust what Carson Edwards is. Stop, end of sentence. He's awesome. He's like this unique guard who's like part Joel Berry, part Ryan Diacono, part Nate Robinson. And when your roster is going to begin with like a first-team All-America type player, I think you can find your way into the top 25. I think that makes sense. They have other good pieces, Klein, uh, Eastern. You got Harms inside. So I think there are other pieces, even though you know they, they, they lose Vincent Edwards, uh, Dakota Mathias, and company from that uh, unbelievable senior class last year. I still think that they'll be a factor. So I I like Purdue at the bottom of the top 25-ish at number 25. I think that it's going to be tough for them to stay in the top 25 for the majority of the year. Carson Edwards is phenomenal, okay? And he very well could be the player of the year in the conference, 100%. They, they lost a lot. I mean, Ryan Klein is a poor man's Dakota Mathias. He can shoot it. That's about it. Mathias was a tough player. Yeah. I think Noel Eastern is the key. I think mm-hmm. Eastern showed me a lot. He's a very versatile guy. He can defend. He can score. He can do a bunch of things. Matt Harms is fine. I mean, he's not going to be Isaac Haas. He's not going to be he, he's, he's fine. He's, he's fine. fine. The hair, the, <laughs> doing the whole hair thing. I, I think that's going to – I like Purdue. Lunch pail team. Very tough at home. They work hard. I got bothered. I'll tell you, Gus, where I got bothered last year because, you know, we were having the Michigan-Purdue battle, but right. I knew Purdue was very, very good. Not not issue. But I, I got bothered when they lost at home to Ohio State Yeah, because that's a game that if you're going to be a championship team, you can't lose that game. Now, listen, Vince Edwards got hurt. So if Vince Edwards doesn't get hurt, all this Different is moving. Different story, right. But I, I, it's hard for me to see them get to the same or within the level of variance level that they got last year when they lost so much. Vince Edwards was a fantastic, as much as I got on him, he was a fantastic 
college basketball player. Yeah, and, 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 and by I, the that, way, he he he's an NBA player. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's an NBA player. That I don't know if he's athletic enough, but I for college he was fantastic. And of course, as much as Carson Edwards is phenomenal, and he is, and I think Carson Edwards should find a home somewhere in the NBA. The most important player last year was Isaac Haas. Yeah. Because how many times, Gus, did we watch that game, yep. especially against Michigan, a great coach like Beeline, we're, we're going to stay at home in the three-point shooters. We're going to stay at home in the three-point shooters. Haas is going to beat us. Yeah. And Haas has eight points in the first two minutes, and they got to change. That dictates tempo. So wait, yeah, wait. I like them. I like them a lot. I just I, I think this is a tough place for them to end up, put it that way. I, I, I just think it's – for me, it's a Carson Edwards pick. So that that's that's okay. the basis of the that's pick. Fine. And I base everything off that. And you're right about – by the way, you're right about Haas. Haas was like a decision – making player for the opposing coach. If I devote, he's the most most improved player in college basketball last year. I think you can make an argument for that. I, and I think you made an argument last year, if you remember back to the podcast, like he was one of the more valuable players in all of college basketball last year. 100%. And that's not saying that Carson Edwards isn't just as valuable. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But Haas brought something that many teams did not have, and Haas brought something that, that they didn't have. And, and that's unique. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten for number 24. I'm going to go straight to Indiana. Romeo Langford's in the fold. Archie Miller has his thing running, and luckily they have a Big Ten, all Big Ten type player in Jawan Morgan returning. And I think the X factor for them, I think if they can have Deron Davis, 6'10 big, come back healthy, I think that would be a giant boost for this team. They would have their uh, wing player in Morgan, they'd have their difference maker and scorer in Lankford, and if they could have somebody anchor that defense down low... And if you remember, Davis had that nice game against Duke when he's playing those two lottery picks of Carter and Bagley, he had 16 points. So he held his own against these big wigs. So you want to see if Davis can get back healthy, be athletic again, and then make that make that difference that he did last year. And I think the trio of Morgan, Lankford, and Davis makes threat in the Big Ten if all those guys stay healthy, and especially if Lankford is the type of player that we think he might be. Archie Miller was interviewed recently. He talked about He said Davis has taken it slow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their practices, he's on path to start the practices with October 1st. He should be cleared moving forward. But he said he's got to regain his conditioning. Justin Smith saw his role grow last year when Davis was out. So I think he can make a big leap for them. And Romeo Langford is a special player. He's a difference maker. 6'6", 215. Gus, you are not going to see him come in like those Kentucky guys did. And, uh, you know, five stars and they're having four points a game. Romeo Langford's going to get the ball. He's going to be allowed to score. He could absolutely be some type of All-American player this year, especially if Archie gives him freedom. And we know from his days at Dayton that Archie does give those players his freedom, and he actually likes putting those players in advantageous positions. Especially as freshmen, yeah, Scucci and all those guys, absolutely. Yeah. He relied on them as freshmen, and that's a little different. I don't think Romeo's going to be here next year. But, I, I, you know, he get he has no problem with it, and you have to. I mean, he could they could make a big jump in the Big Ten if Langford's as good as advertised. Uh, without question. I think I think that's a great place to end that. Uh, number 23, I'm going to go to one of your teams, and, and, and you can give us your, your, you know, your little take on this. I, I think we have to include West Virginia somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but I think West Virginia belongs somewhere in your top 25. I know they lose the identity of their program in Javon Carter and his sidekick in Miles. I understand that. But there's just too much There's too much talent with all the bigs that they have coming back. They got Kanate back. They have Lamont West back. They got Issa Ahmad back. Um, you know, James Bolden can take care of some of those uh, responsibilities in the backcourt. So I, I think with all three of those bigs that – I don't know, have like at least like NBA size and at least one NBA skill. You know, like uh, West can shoot it a little bit. Ahmad can shoot it from the mid-range. You know, Kanate with his defensive prowess. Like all of them have some sort of NBA skill. 
all of those bigs have to equate into some sort of like matchup nightmare that Huggy has to take advantage of, right? So I, I, in, in Huggy, I trust here finding the mismatch or the uniqueness in his roster makeup this year. Yeah, he's got Andrew Gordon coming in as a Juco transfer. That's going to help the front line. I think another Juco he has coming in is Jermaine Haley. And I, I think that that's a big difference. He's got to add depth to the backcourt. Mm-hmm. He's six foot seven. I, I think it's a rebuilding year for Huggy. I don't know if you can play his style without having solid guard play. And he had some of the best in the country last year. Definitely. I know he has the big guys. He's a brilliant coach. I'm sure he'll come up with something. I just can't see him in the Big 12 having a upper echelon year when he's all center heavy. I, I think if those guards develop, maybe the following year he can be a threat. I think it's going to be tough. It'd be fascinating because with this, this is a night and day team, man. This is a 180 from what he had last year in a lot of ways. That's a great call. It is a complete reversal of the way that he played last year. So you want to see what he does to adjust to that. You know he's going to find uh, some sort of advantage for the Mountaineers. You just want to see what that advantage is. And that's why these great coaches are great coaches because they're the ones that can figure this out. And, you know, the the people like us watching on TV say like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I can't believe Huggy thought of that. And that's going to be the thing that we see. I bet that happens when we watch our first West Virginia game. Uh, I'm going to stay in conference here. Uh, Number 22, I'm going to go TCU. I know you like TCU. I like what Jamie Dixon has done. You cannot underestimate or underappreciate the turnaround that he's had for the Horned Frogs. The one thing that we're kind of sad about, we're upset about, down about, is that Jalen Fisher is injured again. We got the news a couple uh, about a week ago, about 10 days ago, that uh, he's injured for the first part of the season. We hope that he comes back healthy. He was going to be their impact guard. That was going to do some damage. They do have Desmond Bain and Alex Robinson to do to hold down the fort while he's gone in the back in the backcourt. But I think the big question is who fills that Kendrick Williams role? He did just about everything for TCU. Maybe DJ Miller, uh, maybe Lat Maton, maybe uh, Kwat Noy. I'm not sure who fills that role, but I think that's an important role that needs to be filled for TCU. And if you think about those great pit teams that Dixon had, they all always had a player like Kendrick Williams that did a little bit of everything, defend it, shoot it, uh, operate down low. So I, I kind of want to see what TCU does to fill that role, but I do think – They're crossing their fingers with this Fisher injury and hoping he gets back sooner than later. TCU, really two issues here, and they're two separate points. Number one, Jimmy Dixon's done an unbelievable job returning to his alma mater and basically kicking Fanny up and down. TCU is now relevant. It's a player at the beginning of the year when I did that rundown of the Big 12 and I sort of projected them out. I had TCU like winning the conference, okay? That was only after two games. I understand that. But listen, they did finish 9-9 and in conference. They finished 21-2 and and 12 overall. I have to tell you, the thing that, that bothered, I don't think Kendrick Williams is a huge loss because I thought he was very disappointing last year. I, I think I, at least I expected a much bigger leap from 16, 17 to 17, 18. Okay. He ended up shooting worse from the field. He always came off like a little soft to me last year. He was settling for the jump shot a lot instead of getting inside. He only went from 11.4 points to 13.2. I expected a bigger leap, but I never got it. Right. So I, I, I think he's, it was a good player for them, but I think it's someone they can replace. But what you talked about there with, um, with Jalen Fisher is, is going to be huge. That's a big, big deal. So hopefully he can get back healthy and see what happens. But um, I like him. I think Dixon does a good job. They have a, they have a lot of depth. I don't know who the man is going to be, mm. um, but certainly he's brought them back to respectability, and that's an accomplishment. Do you think that they might fall into like the Cincinnati-type 
situation where they just have a whole bunch of decent players where they don't have like that go-to guy and then that that comes back to haunt them like in a big game situation well my issue with them is they didn't play enough defense gus last Mm. year they got into some of these big games and they need to get a stop and they couldn't get it i feel like every time i watch them score was 90 to 80 so now you have a team where you don't have you you don't have brody you don't have brodzianski anymore you don't have the big guy in the middle Mm -hmm. I feel like they're going to be a some of the parts team, and some of the parts teams need to play solid defense. They can't. I don't know. They're going to outscore people in the Big Twelve. You don't have Trey Young, okay? Right. So that's my issue: is can they lock down a little more defensively? I think that's a valid point, and I think they're one of those teams you want to see that correct that uh, Ken Palm defensive number that was like I think in the hundreds last year. Uh, number twenty-one. Let's go to LSU, and this is very similar to my. This is very similar to the, the Purdue pick. Who doesn't love Trayvon Waters? Get ready to know Trayvon Waters, everybody. If you don't know him already, the sophomore guard is going to have a Tyler Eulis-type year. He might even be player of the year in the conference like like Eulis was for Kentucky that won his sophomore year. He might sneak on some All-America teams by the end of the year. And he has a strong crash class led by Naz Reed, who's like kind of a, a, a do-everything big that can, as a grab-and-go guy, can grab a rebound and lead the break and then finish so I really think that placing LSU in the top 25 displays the turnaround that Coach Wade has performed very similar to the turnaround that Coach Dixon has performed at TCU. And I think this is a team that the LSU fan base is going to get behind because Waters is such a relatable player. He's he's one of those undersized guards that you can't help but not root for. Like You, you just want to pull for him, and all he does is make big shots. So I'm going to put LSU at number 21. A little bit of this is Waters, a little bit of this is Wade, and I I think it's worth mentioning that you said that Wade might be one of the more underrated coaches in the nation and maybe one of the more unappreciated coaches in the nation. Well, let me put it to you this way, partner. The last two coaches that left, Shaka left VCU, Shaka Smart and Will Wade, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Both of them went to big-time programs. Both of them went to resources galore, right? Texas and and LSU. Absolutely. Who's Who's done a better job? I think the answer is Will Wade. I think he, he he had the fourth ranked recruiting class in the nation coming in this year. He had the second best recruiting recruiting class in the SEC. He's got Tremont Waters, who's a superior player, who's going to be an All American somewhere. He's got Naz Reed and Emmett Williams coming in. Both are five star players, six nine two twenty six seven two fifteen. Will Wade's a phenomenal coach. I love LSU this year, hundred percent. That's a great comparison between Shaka and Wade. I don't know if many other people would do make that comparison due to their uh, back roads path to get to where they are and. The uh, comparison with the resources, really well done. Uh, Number 20, let's go to Butler. I think Butler is going to be one of those teams that might be able to take that Big East mantle that is in flux right now due to Villanova losing four players to the NBA draft. And I just love Kamar Baldwin. He's the guy. He makes everything go for Butler. Really love Baldwin. I think he's a first-team All-Big East player and a sneaky All-America type guard. And don't forget, midway through the season, they're going to have Duke transfer Jordan Tucker be eligible. Add Sean McDermott from the wing. Uh, Jorgensen is going to be a, uh, one of those playmakers, very similar to like uh, J.B. Mercura for, for Xavier. Uh, shot maker, crunch time player. He can play with energy. And I think that Coach Jordan is going to get some dap this year because I think people are going to realize that he can do the job, he can recruit at a high level, he can coach in the Big East, and he can win big games. So I like Butler at number 20, led by Baldwin and his supporting cast, and Jordan, a coach that's going to get more and more notoriety as the season rolls on. 
I think the jury's out on Jordan. I'm not sure how good he's going to be. Mm, okay, so you're you're not you're not on my end of the boat here. No, I, I mean I, I Kamar Baldwin's wonderful. You you turned me on to him. You were first online on that one. He's a superior player, had a fantastic Big East tournament as well. So uh, Jorgensen's from our area, New Jersey, and that's fantastic. They're always going to play hard. I, are they recruiting well? And that's my issue is like, is he going to be able to keep the ball rolling here? I, I, I don't think you can just keep – I haven't seen many programs, Gus, that are small school. And Butler is. I mean, they're a big-time program. I'm not saying that. But when you're not talking about a large school program, like we just mentioned with Shaka with Texas, I don't know if you can just keep shuffling in coaches. Hey, it's Brad Stevens. Hey, it's Chris Holtman. Both are great coaches. Hey, now it's Jordan. I don't know if that's how it works. So I think this is a big year. It tells me a lot. If Mm -hmm. they can have a real solid year and compete in the Big East and take a step forward, I'll buy in. But I kind of said if you made me guess, they may take a step back. But I do think Kamar Boland's a wonderful player. Okay, how about this? What if they finish in the top three in the Big East and make the tournament? You okay with that? Uh, That's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. You're, you're good with that? That would, that would be a solid season. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. 100%. All right. So that will get you to buy in. That's going to buy in. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I, I think it's going to happen. So I think you're going to be bought in. You should just put your money in now to get in on cheap. Get in on a cheap end. <laughs> uh, number 19, let's go to Florida State. I think after the Elite Eight run, I don't think it was a fluke. You take down number one seed Xavier, traditional powerhouse Gonzaga in the process. Florida State is like the rare high major team that always has like returning veterans. Uh, so they're, they, they're, they're a little bit older. Uh, you know what? I, I, I want to see how they mix with the guys that they have returning and then the freshmen that they have coming in. And you want to see, I think one of the X factors here is Albany grad transfer, David Nichols. Is he exactly what Florida, State's need, Florida State needs by adding a shooter, a ball handler, and just like a veteran head in the backcourt? I think Nichols might help fill the void that C.J. Walker's exit might be, and he just might be the type of player that can win a game or two for you in the Big East. And maybe this could be a symbiotic relationship in college hoops for Nichols and Florida State, this, this dra- the grad transfer. So I want to see how he's integrated, and maybe can they build on that Elite Eight run and maybe make the next step in the ACC? So I think Florida State, somewhere in your top 25, makes sense. They have a lot of talent coming back, but I always believe that Florida State, for some reason under Leonard Hamilton, is good when you don't expect them to be, and disappoints when you when you think that they're going to do well. That, that's 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 fairly accurate, by the way. They, they have no business beating Gonzaga. That was a bad loss. They had no business beating them last year. They played a great game, lightning in the bottle, the whole thing. That is a tough ACC. I know that he's got to get them to buy in. They have a good group there. You mentioned all of them. Absolutely. Kofor, Man, Forrest, fine. Yep. I, I get it. But I don't know. There's just something about him. You know, the, when you put these teams back to back, it's very fascinating. Both teams that I'm just not sure about for whatever reason. Like, if, if you told me that the top three in the Big East were, I don't know, Villanova, Marquette, Providence, that shock you? No. And if you t- Florida State ends up being like, I don't know, like somewhere Seventh? in the middle of the – Yeah, like they don't beat Virginia. They don't beat Duke. They don't beat North Carolina. Miami bounces back. You know, I, I just – I don't like to bet on Florida State. How about that? <laughs> so I, I see what you're saying here. You're saying let's take NC State and don't touch Florida State. Oh, NC State getting four at home to Florida State. I mean, we I may have to put a Benjamin on that one. Okay. I understand. <laughs> well well said. Thank you. Uh, number 18, we're going to stay in-state. We're just going to go to Florida. They have Hudson back. They have Kevon Allen back. They return. These The threes are going to fly with these two. They're, it, it's going to be fun to watch this team. You got Hayes and Stone is going to clean up anything that they miss. They'll start fast breaks with defensive boards. The one question mark is, will how much will Coach Mike White miss 
Chioza? It's a legit question. Chioza was like a magician. He legitimately won games by himself in the final minute for this team over the last two years. So I think we want to pay attention to Andrew Niebhardt. Is he going to be that – is he going to fill that role that Chioza had as like floor leader, game play maker? And is he going to be able to – fill the, I guess, the veteran leadership role that Chioza had. And you want to see if maybe Hudson and Allen can help with that leadership veteran role. So I, I like I like Florida, again, somewhere in the top 25 because they have that good returning backcourt with Hudson and, and Allen. They do have two of those anchors down low with Hayes and Stone. I like White as a coach. And, uh, you know, I like Nehard as, like, a, a freshman point guard. He's super high IQ. But I, I don't know. I think this is a very, like, blah number 18 for me. I'm not like super excited about the Gators this particular year, this particular edition of the Gators. I agree with you, partner. I have to classify Florida as a little disappointing last year. When you start at that PK-80 and you beat Gonzaga in basically a home game, 111-105, and then you take Duke to the mat and you should have beat them, lost 87-84. Or arguably game of the season. Like, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I'm. you know, I, I, I can't buy it then. Now, I know Loyola Chicago is really good, so, you know, we, I'm ignoring that loss. Right. But you, you lose to Clemson, you lose at Mississippi, you beat Kentucky, but then you lose to South Carolina at home, you lose at Georgia, you lose Alabama, you lose Georgia again, you can't beat Georgia. I mean, re, re, just, you almost beat Duke and Gonzaga back to back. You know, 11 and 7, 21 and 13. I like Florida, Mike White, root for them, fun to watch, explosive scores. Agree with you there. Looking for a bounce back here. I feel like Mike White can go one way or another. Either Mike White from two from two years ago was legit and last year was just a stumble, or maybe Florida's heading in the wrong direction. So I feel like this is a bellwether. Florida is a bellwether for how the college basketball season is going to go. Because if these guys, these Florida teams, take a step forward, and in the SEC they join Tennessee, and Auburn's really good again, and Kentucky with all their stars is really good again, we're going to get back to the SEC being the best conference in the country again. But Florida could go one way or another. Are we buying Mike White or not? Mike White Bellwether. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> that could be the name of the podcast. I'm with you on that. <laughs> number 18, Miss, uh, I'm sorry, so number 18, Florida. We'll go up to number 17, Mississippi State. Uh, they have a successful ch- coach, check. Returning talent, check. Defensive-minded philosophy, check. So is Mississippi State just kind of like the Cincinnati that hasn't made the tournament yet? And did they just steal their blueprint? We like Nick Weatherspoon and Quandry Weatherspoon. We like the big man, uh, Eric Holdman. Uh, and I think that those three are going to get Mississippi State into March this season. And I think the really legit question is, is Reggie Perry going to be that next like NBA-ish wing that kind of explodes onto the scene? He's a 6'8 freshman um, who he can shoot it. He's got some wingspan. And can he mesh with that returning crew that we just mentioned? So it seems like that Mississippi State does have some NBA-ish type student athletes. And they do have a coach that has gotten to the Final Four multiple times. So is this Mississippi State team ready to take that, like, next step? And do you think it has, like, I, you know what I liken them to? I liken them to, like, that Seton Hall team from last year. Just strong returning players. You know you're going to get everything out of them. Um, but are they going to take that next step and surprise some teams? I think the next step for Mississippi State is making the tournament and using this returning crew as the, uh, a, a, you know, as the foundation to get back to March. Nine and nine, 25 and 12. I love Ben Hallen. He's a superior coach. Don't forget he took UCLA to a final four. Mm-hmm. 
I love what they're doing. Remember, this is a team that won at South Carolina last year. They beat Arkansas at home. They're on the come. They have athletes. They're big inside. They have a great coach. Huge sleeper for me this year, Mississippi State. I think that makes sense. And speaking of UCLA, I got UCLA at 16. Bruins and Steve Alford continue to bring in NBA talent year after year. They got Tiger Campbell. They got the former Arizona commit, Sharif O'Neal. Yes, that's Shaq's son. And then they bring back Chris Wilkes and Jalen Hands. They return after going to the NBA Combine. So they have Sofs that are going to come back to lead some of these talented freshmen. I think the big question is, is this team just a little bit too young to have March success? Do they need that, like, you know, junior or senior veteran that's going to be – that's been through the wars in the Pac-12 and been to a, uh, a you know, an NCAA tournament? I'm not sure that, that, that they have that Aaron Holiday on the roster. But I think Wilkes and Hands are going to be two of the players that kind of explode. And if they can kind of show the way for the freshman class that Alford has coming in, I think UCLA is vastly, vastly underrated. And UCLA might be one of those teams that kind of pops and surprises at some point during the season. And I don't think it's crazy you can put them in the conversation for winning the whole Pac-12. No, Wilkes and Hans coming back is a very solid foundation. Arizona's not going to be good. Oregon and Washington, to me, are the class of the Mm Pac-12. And UCLA's a little step below. Okay. But Alford does does a good job. They can be right there. They have a lot returning, which helps them. Then I'm going to stick in the Pac-12 for number 15. I got Oregon right there. There it is. There it is. Okay, so here's Bobo. We get to talk about him. Uh, he, he's not the only good freshman that they're bringing in. They got Lewis King. They have Will Richardson. But you know what they do have, which they really need? They have a veteran point guard in Peyton Pritchard. I think Peyton Pritchard could have one of those years that's like Joel Berry, like Frank Mason type year at the point guard position for this particular team. And don't forget, they're going to bring in grad transfer uh, Ibad Amin, who uh, led the nation in steals from uh, Texas A&M Corporate, Corporate Christie uh, last season. So that works. And that wins games. If you can have a disruptive guy on the wing that's going to get in the passing lanes, you have a trusted point guard in Pritchard, and then you just have NBA athletes in King and Bowl and even you know Wooten inside that can wreak havoc, get buckets, and make things look easy. This Oregon team has lots of interesting pieces. The puzzle didn't go together perfectly last year. But some, for some reason, I like the pieces better, and I think they fit better this year for Coach Altman. On our YouTube channel, we did a video of Peyton Pritchard. You can't put a price on having a point guard with that sort of experience. Dane Altman does a great job. This is my Pac-12 favorite. You talked about Lewis King, Will Richardson. Bull Bull means yes, yes. I'm all in on Oregon. <laughs> I love Bull Bull. Um, number 14, let's go in back into the ACC Virginia Tech. Love what Buzz Williams has done there. He's totally trans transformed the Hokies and into a valid program inside the ACC. And now I think the next step is to win one of these March games and advance to the second weekend, right? Doesn't that make sense? If he can find his way into March, it'll be the first time since Coach Charlie Moore in the 80s, and this Hokies team just might be as good as that team in the 80s. I think a lot of it depends on Cal Alexander Walker, just how good is the sophomore going to be this season? He flashed a little bit last year. And is he going to be able to mesh nicely with uh, Robinson, the point guard that they have there? That could be one of the more underrated uh, guard combos in the nation. I really like this team. I like the makeup. And I, I think that Buzz is going to get this team playing the right way with some good talent right there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they found their way back into March and be one of those sneaky second weekend teams in 
March. Yeah, 21 and 11, 10 and 8 in conference. I agree in buzz. I agree with the talent coming back. Worthy a note, though. They lost four of their last five to end the season. Mm-hmm. They lost that Louisville game where I lost a couple shekels on that one at home. Then they beat Duke at home, which was great, 64-63. Then they lose at Miami, lose against Notre Dame, and then lose against Alabama in the NCAA tournament. So uh, four of the last five, they went the wrong way. But uh, again, if you made me choose, I go upper half of the ACC rather than the bottom half. Without question for Virginia Tech. Number 13, let's go to Michigan. One of your darlings, fresh off the national championship game run as a three seed. The Wolverines are back just where they should be in the national college hoops conversation. Even though Mo is off to the Lakers, Coach Beeline still has Livers. He has Teske. He has Matthews. He has Jordan Poole. And he has Xavier Simpson. I think that... He'll miss the trusted vets that he leaned on last year, you know, Wagner and Abdul Rahman. But I think if you're going to jump on the bandwagon again this year, Mike Randall, I think the pieces are in place there. I don't know which player is going to pop like Wagner did last year, but I think that they do have the thing. Maybe it's going to be Poole. Maybe it's going to be Simpson. Maybe it's going to be Livers. You want to see that that team take you know, one of those guys take that lead role that Wagner had last year, and I think they're right back where they were last year, a top four seed going into March, and then obviously a threat to win the whole thing in the Big Ten. Yeah, they got Brandon Johns, who was supposed to go to. He's talking at Purdue. He's looking at Michigan State, Kansas. Uh, he ended up choosing Michigan, so they got Brandon Johns inside. They have a lot of guys coming back. Winning breeds winning. Beeline's a fantastic coach. I think they're going to be a top team in the Big Ten again. One of the top teams, absolutely. I think another team in the top ten uh, in the Big Ten, I'm sorry, is going to be number 12, Michigan State. I think Michigan State, even though they just lost two lottery picks and fell against a limited Syracuse team in March, so they have that sour taste much like UVA does in their mouth. I think the returning core of, uh, of Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, Joshua Lankford, Xavier Tillman, I think they have enough there where if you put them too low in the preseason, I think you'll look silly. So I'm going to put them right here at number 12. And I think this team is going to shoot the three. I think last year they forced the ball inside to Ward, Johnson, and to a certain extent some uh, bridges. I think this year they're going to be free to shoot the ball a little bit, and they won't have the roster determine where the offense will go. I think that they'll just pay attention and play the way that they want to play. So I think that's going to be a big change for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Winston led the league in assists and uh, Lankford took a big step during his junior year. I'm going the other way on them. And I predicted them to win the title last year. I do not like what I saw. They never got it together. Izzo couldn't figure it out. The luster is gone with everyone who goes there goes to the Final Four. I'm not buying Winston and Langford. They were never consistent enough for me last year, and they should have been, especially with Miles Bridges drawing all that attention. Uh-huh. Their, rec- their recruiting class is good, not great. 17th in the country, 4th in the Big Ten. Eh. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're going the wrong way here, and I think we're in for a very mediocre season for Michigan State. I, I, I am off their bandwagon this year for sure. Interesting. Okay. Uh, number 11, I'm going to go to Auburn. Coach Pearl, he can coach. And he just got a contract extension. Auburn made the tournament. They won a game. And they went 26-8 and eight overall without their two best players, Wiley and Purifoy. Wiley's going to be back. Bryce Brown and Harper are back. Can Pearl operate under normal conditions? You love, I love Okiki. I love McLemore. So I think this team has tons of returning talent. You want to see if Pearl and Auburn can deal with like the expectations of being ranked inside top 10s, top 15s, and not being picked to go 4 and 14. Can he handle and can Auburn handle those expectations? I think they can. If they don't lose Anthony McNamore last year, I think this team can go very far, even maybe a Final Four. So I think Pearl has it going the right way. Mm -hmm. Bryce Brown's ready to go. 
SEC's loaded in 2018, 2019, but I, I think Auburn's going to be right there. I'm buying what Bruce Pearl has, and this team had unfinished business because those injuries really hurt them down the stretch. I agree. I think Brown and Harper are one of the most underrated backcourts in the nation. I think that's a really top backcourt. Number 10, I'm going to put Duke here at number 10. Much like you were a little bit down on Michigan State, I'm a little bit down on Duke this year. The Blue Devils welcome in one of the most heralded freshman classes in the history of college hoops. It's unlike anything we've ever seen, even at Kentucky. You got Barrett, you got Reddish, um, you have Zion. All of those guys are, you know, top 10 NBA picks waiting to happen, if not top five. The question is, can anybody shoot it and can anybody handle it without turning it over? Those are two questions I don't know if we have the answers to yet. And that's why we watch during the season. So the combination of Barrett, Reddish, and Zion is going to be unbelievable. And plus, did Wendell Carter's mom open up the door for families to rant about playing time shots and touches? Do you think one of those families uh, is going to be unhappy with the amount of touches and minutes and shots that they get? I don't know. Maybe that was a Pandora's box that didn't need to get opened. So we'll wait and see to see if Duke can navigate this tricky season with all this talent and all this expectation. But I have him at number 10 because of the uncertainties on the ball handling end and the three-point shooting end. I think it's low for them. I mean, they, you know, even last year with, with the disaster that was the defense and the switch into zone, mm-hmm. I mean, they were 13-5. and five. They were second in the ACC. They do have a lot of recruiting talent coming in. I think Krzyzewski learned something from what happened last year. Now, listen, I don't know if they're going to a Final Four, right. but I think 10's a little low. I, I think you got to have them a little higher there. And, I, I you know, having one, two, and three is worth something. It's it's worth something. Right. And I, I now they'll judge by Final Four. So if they get knocked out in the round of 32, that doesn't mean a hill of beans whether they're ranked number one or not. Um, but coming into the season, I, I feel like Krzyzewski's too good of a coach not to learn off of what happened last year. But the question is, can he really get them to buy in to get to a Final Four or, or a title? That's the question. I think that's another valid question. Like, are we going to have some of those guys maybe sacrifice some of those touches or shots? I think that's a legit question. Are they going to be able to do that for the greater good and not just go for theirs in, like, that crucial moment with two minutes to go? I don't know. That, that's why we watch. I want to see if that happens. So number nine – Guess who I have right in front of him? We have UNC right in front of him at number nine. The 2017 national champions were upended by uh, Texas A&M last year, and the Tar Heels just felt like empty after that. Luke May is going to fill up the stat sheet. They have two bigs, uh, uh, Sterling Manley and Garrison Books down low. Cam Johnson is going to help stretch the floor for all those big bodies. And they have freshman Nazar Little. That is going to be one of the highest-ranked freshmen that Roy Williams has ever brought in in quite some time. So you want to see how he operates with May and Johnson on the wing. I think that's an interesting lineup. And I think similar to Duke, I think the UNC's question is who's going to start the offense, who's going to initiate the offense, and who's going to start that break? Who are they going to look to out on the wing to get the ball rolling in the right direction for the way Roy likes to play? So I think that if you're going to look at one question mark for UNC, that's it. But you got to like the bodies they have coming back with May, Johnson, and Nazir Little. Luke May is a fantastic college basketball player, so him coming back is great. You have Nazir Little and Kobe White, both of which are five-star recruits. Old Roy never bonks two years in a row. I'm with yeah, I think that I think that nine might even be a little bit too low. How's that? Number eight, we have Tennessee. Another pleasant surprise last year. They are not going to be able to sneak up on anybody or anything or the SEC this season. They are the regular season shared title holders. Grant Williams is the player of the year. Rick Barnes was the coach of the year. Lamont Turner was the sixth man of the year. Throw in Admiral Schofield and Jordan Bone returning. And then, boom. They are not going to sneak up on everybody. Everybody has the scouting reports. I want to see how they do with the, the, the T-shirts that they're going to wear around that, are, that say SEC champs on them. How are they going to handle that? 
Can Williams and Schofield take the next step as players, reducing turnovers while extending their range from outside? And do you want to see? I, I want to see if if they can take the two seed that they were at and and and, and, and you know and and move forward with that. Are they going to be another team that like does well during the season and then they get to ma- March and then they bonk? So they're going to be able to get over that March bonk and can Barnes lead them there as their coach? That's what I'm looking forward to. I think that they have the returning players to deal with all the scrutiny and all the eyeballs. I want to see how they operate in that very fine microscope in March. With all due respect to Kentucky, Tennessee is the favorite to win the conference. They got everybody back. Schofield and Williams are maybe the best one-two combination in the country. Rick Barnes, this is your chance. Let's see what you got. You should have beat Loyola Chicago. You didn't there in the last second shot. Unfinished business. Everybody's back. Williams and Schofield. Let's get ready. I, I'm going to have them in my top five because I'm going to I'm going to put them there until I until I see. How about, how about this? I think if they look in the mirror at last year's bracket, they are loyal to Chicago this year. They have a roster full of veteran players. They're really well coached. Like I, I think they will learn from that loss to that specific team. They'll say like, oh wait, we're that team. We can make that Final Four run this year. So I think that one instance last year, I think is going to be a great teaching point moving forward for this particular group of players. I'm totally with you on that. All right, number seven, Villanova. We undersold the Wildcats last year, and look what happened. So number seven feels just about right here, doesn't it? Um, when you have two national champions championships in the past three years, I think you belong somewhere in the top ten. So we'll put them at number seven. I think that makes sense. Even though they lost four draft picks to the NBA Last year, they still bring back Booth, they bring back Pascal, and they have uh, Cosby Roundtree down low. They have the uh, Albany grad transfer, Joe Cremo, to help take care of things outside on the point guard position, the shooting position, along with Colin Gillespie. So you want to see if Coach Wright can kind of piece all of these odd pieces together to another Big East title and then maybe another deep march run. But the exodus is really the thing that I think we have question with Villanova here. This is going to be one of Coach Wright's like defining years. Like, what is he going to do with this roster after losing all of those great players? He does have some pieces in place, but you want to see what he does with those pieces. Yeah, I think Villanova's taken a step back. I don't think you can lose Archie Diacono and then lose Jalen Brunson and then lose Mikhail Bridges and Hart. Of course, I'm not ready to tell you that Villanova is going to win the Big East every year. I'm not. I'm not at that right. point. I. I feel like the Big East is ready to be won this year by a Marquette, by someone like that. So I'm going to have them a little lower. I understand. You know, Cremo's coming in. Are we sure that Joe Cremo from Albany all of a sudden is going to average 13 points a game in the Big East? I'm not uh, sure yeah, about I that. Either. I I didn't see enough of Cosby Roundtree to get excited. Colin Gillespie, okay. you know, I, I see Villanova taking a step back this year. I do. And that's not to say, again, for the Villanova fans, you know, you got two titles there. Okay, I mean, so if you end up third in the Big East, is that the end of the world? Okay, I I know you gotta win every game, but I'm gonna have them a notch below. I I don't think this is year. I will be shocked if Villanova's in the top two in the Big East this year. I really will. You know what? I think this ranking for me personally is just uh, battling my own preseason ranking last year. What I I think I had them like 11, 12, or 13. So I'm I'm just trying to balance things out. I'm just trying to give them their due and saying this is like a Mia Coppola pick for me. Uh, Number six will go to uh, Kansas State. The Big 12 team returns most of its scoring off of an Elite Eight run. You got the modern big in Dean Wade, who's a sneaky All-America type pick. Uh, You have uh, Barry Brown, who's an undervalued guard in the guard-heavy Big 12. Uh, Not dissimilar from Tennessee, I think how will the Wildcats 
handle inclusion in every preseason like ranking list because they were nowhere near this range last year. So you want to see what they do with like the quote unquote target on their back. Uh, will Wade remain healthy? And can Xavier Seed take that next step like he did in March during those couple of games when Wade was out? And can he shoot it a little bit better than 42% from the field? So we think that the pieces are in place here for an, a repeat performance for K-State. And maybe they're the team that actually threatens Kansas for that Big 12 title and maybe dethrones them. They're going to be close. I just want to see how close they get. It's amazing. How far could Kansas State have gone last year if they had Dean Wade? Did they beat Loyola Chicago in, crazy, in the Elite Eight? Right? They beat Kentucky without Dean Wade. I mean, how far could they really go? And it would be amazing that Kansas State beat Kansas this year and ends that 15-year win streak, right? It would be it would be nuts if that was the team that did it with, with Weber as the coach. Right. They, they do it this year after last year we thought was Kansas' most vulnerable time. I like Kansas State. They got everybody back, and, and Wade is a big difference maker. I agree. I think if he stays healthy, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and catch a lot of NBA eyes. All right, number five. This is where we're putting one of our darlings. We're going to put Nevada here. The band is back together. Martin Twins return along with Jordan Caroline. You know, Caleb can shoot it from anywhere. Cody can do anything. He's one of the art the screen to screener favorites. He's defensive player of the year in the conference. Uh, Caroline is Miles Bridges light. Coach Must obviously brings everything back and is on par with uh, UVA and Tennessee and Gonzaga as far as returning talent. The unknown here for Nevada and the Wolfpack is how are the minutes and the shots going to get distributed? You trust in Coach Must that he's going to be able to navigate and figure out where all of those stats are going to land with this loaded roster. And they bring in their first five-star freshman, 6'11", Jordan Brown, uh, in, in many years since Luke Babbitt. And don't forget that they bring in another big Trey Porter from Old Dominion. And they have other uh, guards and forwards that are going to come off the bench uh, playing behind the Martins and Caroline. So after a, an unbelievable Sweet 16 run, it's very real in Reno. And this team is a legit national championship contender. It is a legit Final Four team. And they're going to find themselves inside of every top 10 preseason ranking you can find anywhere in college hoops. This is surprising to me. I think you got them too low. They're my number one. I, I, I don't know what they don't – I don't know what I they don't have. I love you have them number one. I have them number one. I, I don't think it's even close. I – I, they have everybody back. They have players who are NBA players. They have positionless basketball. Musselman's got Musselman's got 18 assistants on his bench now. He just hired his 18th. They're all in. Rex Nevada, Nevada wants a title. They don't want a Final Four. He's pushing for a title. The Martin brothers, Caroline inside, Jordan Brown's coming over. I think they have it all. They're my absolute number one. No doubt about it. Hear that, fans? Hear that, Wolfpack fans? Mike Randall has Nevada as his preseason number one. That, that is good news right there. We're going to roll down the final four that I have here. Right out, Nevada's right outside. At number four, I have where the retention tour is going to end. I have UVA at number four. And you're going to say, wait, what? How? Wait a second. Weren't the Cavaliers the victim of the 116 March upset? Yeah, they were. But guess what? They're going to get it right this year. They have too much returning talent, and I think we trust that Coach Bennett is going to make the tweaks necessary so that type of upset does not happen again. And in fact, he turns the tables and pulls a couple of upsets like that along the way. We love uh, love the NBA wing uh, to be, DeAndre Hunter. We love the ball handler, Ty Jerome. We love uh, Ky- uh, Kyle Guy shooting the ball a little bit. 
So I think the question is, can Hunter have the type of season that Nova's uh, Mikael Bridges had last season and just make that huge jump, get that NBA lottery buzz, and, oh, yeah, have a Final Four trip and maybe a championship like Mikael Bridges does? Wouldn't that be the perfect tour stop? We think that the the retention tour is going to stop in Minnesota. So I think UVA punched the ticket for the Final Four. Yeah, they're going to win the ACC again. They have Ty Jerome. They have Kyle Guy. They have DeAndre Hunter back. And they have a fantastic coach in Tony Bennett. I think this is a perfect spot for them. No doubt about it. Everyone's jumping off their bandwagon. They play phenomenal defense. They have a style that no one else does. I'm a huge fan of Virginia this year. I love the ranking. I love having them in the fi- in the final four. I, I think that's a I think that's something we're going to ride all year. You and I are driving the bus on that. And I'm happy to ride co-pilot. Number three, we're going to go over to Kentucky. Kentucky has all the freshmen. They have some returning players, and they have a grad transfer. This is an equation unlike any other equation that Coach Cal has put together. He's got three guards in the top fifty coming in. Uh, he's got and he has a returning player, uh, Quade Green, who can help run the point. I wouldn't be surprised if they run some like sun-ish like three guard three point guard linemen some way with green uh, Hagens and, and Quigley I think that makes sense uh, that would put some shooting on the floor uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Keelan Johnson plays with that lineup as well Keelan Johnson is like this combo wing stud that can defend and shoot it and dribble they just have so much talent all over the floor and then you throw in Reed Travis the grad transfer from Stanford this is something that Cal's never had before. It's going to be like a luxury. It's going to be like a security blanket. I think that this equation is interesting for Coach Cal, and I want to see if he can figure it out and get everything in the right place. And he even has a little bit of shooting with Tyler Harrow on the wing. So I think there's enough there's enough ingredients here where you can see Kentucky getting it right and making a Final Four. But also you can see, hmm, you can scratch your head here. I wanted to put him somewhere in the top 10. They ended up for, at three for me. Cal has done enough in his career. His track record is strong enough that having the top recruits, he'll eventually figure it out. The biggest blemish since Cal's got to Kentucky in a lot of ways is that that undefeated team didn't win the title. Yep. They lost in the Final Four to Herman Munster and the, and the Badgers. So I, I think he gets it right. I don't think he goes two years in a row with not having one of those one seeds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, he's proven it to me. He's. Uh, I think the pieces are here. There's a, there's so much talent, and you know the key here is is the returning talent, like Quade Green coming back. Um, I think the, the the trusted point guard really makes a lot of sense. Washington coming back. I think that those guys know the drills, know the system. They can be part coaches. They can be teachers. I think that's an underrated part of Cal's system and how he does things. Uh, number one and two, I flip flop back and forth on. So number two, I'm just going to go Kansas. I, I, I didn't. I, I, I juggled uh, Gonzaga and Kansas back and forth, but I'm, I'm going to go Kansas number two. Similar to the story with Kentucky, will Coach Self be able to figure out all the pieces to the puzzle? He has a great freshman backcourt. Dotson and Grimes are both kind of studs. Uh, you want to see how they mesh with each other. They have Charlie Moore that can help run the show there. Uh, they have Dietrich Lawson, the Memphis transfer, who's really impactful. They have Vic coming back. Of course, they have uh, Adoke Azabuki, the big down low that can do some damage on the defensive end and start breaks with defensive rebounds. So they do seem they have the pieces that will equate to another great year. 
But I think much like last year, Mike, you said that they were vulnerable. I see some vulnerability this year, but maybe that vulnerability is going to be early on. And maybe they get all of those things in place and all their ducks in a row later. So maybe you want to catch them early. And maybe in March, they just might be rolling it just like they always did and make another Final Four like they did last year. So I have Kansas at number two. If you include the the Lawson brothers, I think this team has more talent than any other team in college basketball. Sure. But I think that Self is going to have to learn that everyone has their role. He's going to have to get people to buy in who shoots, who rebounds. He should start Charlie Moore at point guard. He should start Moore as a guy who's been a point guard at Cal, Mm -hmm. who knows how to run things, and let the five-star freshman come along. That's my best suggestion. The reason they've been successful, man, the reason they were in the Final Four last year, Devontae Graham, who followed Frank Mason. So he's everyone's got a role. Everyone can't shoot. Don't give me all this baloney. Everybody scores 12. That never works. Didn't work with Ben McLemore and those guys, and it won't work now. Let the point guard run the show. And if Moore can run the show and then the Frosh can work their way in gradually, you, you go behind Deidre Colossus, who could be Big 12 player of the year for the third Kansas Jayhawk in a row. Sure. They're going to be fantastic. I, I think they're going to be fun to watch. And I think it's going to be fun to see how they build it throughout the season and see if they can get it rolling again and run to another Big 12 title. Number one, go Bulldogs. I'm going to put Gonzaga here. We heard on a, a podcast very recently within the past week that Gino Crandall is going to enroll as a grad student in October. So he'll be eligible for the season. So that's a big get for them. That was a little bit in flux uh, the last couple of weeks because he wasn't enrolled for the fall semester. You got Rui Hachimura coming back. You got Killian Tilly coming back. Both of those guys are going to do different things that you don't normally see. Rui is a grab and go for guy, super athletic. He can handle, he can shoot it. Uh, he can run the break. He can dribble all the way down the floor. Unbelievably athletic specimen. He's like a smaller Greek freak almost. Tilly's a big that can shoot it from deep. He can shoot it over 47% from deep. Can stretch the floor as a big, really interesting modern big. And then don't forget you got Zach Norvell on the wing. He can be one of the. He might be their best player. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some All America buzz if he performs how he did in the WWC tournament and in March. And how about Brendan Clark? Let's not forget him. There's talk in uh, you know pickup games and, and and practice out there that Clark is athletic is as athletic as Rui is, which if you put that equation together, yikes, that is unbelievably scary. And you know that Coach Few is going to figure out how all of these things should mesh together. He always does. Love them at number one. Love the talent they have coming back. And if you just look at it and like just take a big step back from it, right? They're gonna have like Gonzaga is gonna have three draft picks on this team. Like Rui, Tilly, Norvell are all going to get drafted next year. And who knows? Clark could get drafted the next like, I, like There's enough talent here and enough high-end talent that justifies them being number one in the country. You're higher on them than I am. I, I know you love Gonzaga, and every year you're going to have them high. Slight, I, slight bias, yes. I agree Rui's phenomenal. I also agree with you that Zach Norvell, I don't think he's better than Rui, but without a doubt, he's a second best player, and he can have nights where he's better than Rui. I think Tilly's soft. I'm not a Tilly guy. I'm very down on what happened last year. I think the questions are there with them. I, Mark Few's a phenomenal coach, but I don't know if we can automatically have them number one when for basically five consecutive years, they were round to 32 and out. Now, then they went to the NCAA Finals. They had the fantastic year in 2016-2017. Great job. That was sandwiched between two Sweet 16 appearances. 
And I, I, you know, Jonathan Williams was supposed to take a step forward last year. He took a step back for me. Was not that impactful. I think they're going to have a fantastic record. I think they're going to blow away the West Coast Conference. And I think they're going to have another really high seed. But until they commit to playing defense on a nightly basis, I think there's a lot of questions out there with Gonzaga. Last year, don't forget, it wasn't just that game initially that they struggled with. I mean, Gonzaga was a team last year coming in. They were a four seed. They were in a lot of trouble against UNC Greensboro. Now, UNC Greensboro is very good, and UNC Greensboro played well. Gus, they're playing in Boise. And Gonzaga, for all their great might and the teams they played and the schedule and the PK-80, you can't be on the ropes against UNC Greensboro. With the, you can't. It's the same thing I'm going. If I'm going to go after Coach K for those early round losses, I got to be consistent. Do I think Fuse a legend? 100%. Do I think Rory Hashimura is going to be an All-American? 100%. Zach Norvell is great. I think Gino Crandall coming over from North Dakota. Let's see how he does. And I think that he's really, I think Perkins has to play well and the jury's still out. So I think they're very solid. I think they're going to have a great record. I think they're a top five team in the country. And I think we're going to be staring with two minutes left in a Sweet 16 game, figuring out, are they the real deal or not again? And if they win that game, maybe they win a title. And if they lose that game again, I'm going to be looking and saying, I don't want to hear about Gonzaga anymore. I don't know what the deal is. But for me, they're a step below Nevada. That's for sure. But I do see the path that they could get there. But I guess this is more, for me, an indoctrination of Perkins and Tilly than it is anything else. Interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, there's the top 25 on Gus's side, or top 25-ish. We won't give you another rundown. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. You like what you're listening to? Give the podcast a follow on Twitter. At SDS Podcast, efficiency of keystrokes, of course. Would you like to contact the podcast via Gmail? Please do that. We'd love to communicate you in that fashion. SDSpodcast at gmail.com. Please don't forget to give Mike a follow at Randall Rant. And please don't forget, like Mike mentioned earlier on the podcast, hit up the YouTube channel. We have a couple of previews up there. We'll have a couple of more coming up as the season rolls out. Uh, please look up Screen the Screener on YouTube and then subscribe, rate, review. Uh, please do whatever you like there. And uh, we'd love a couple of more reviews as we roll into the season for the podcast uh, on Apple uh, Podcasts or whatever your fashion is or vehicle for podcasts. So please don't be afraid to give a little love and give a little positive review for the podcast. We love putting this stuff out for you guys. And we are getting ready for the season with top 25-ish countdowns. Mike Randall, thank you for the retorts on every ranking that we had here. Great job. Nobody gives more information than you do, Gus. This is a fantastic top 25-ish and five. Fantastic news. I'll bring mine back next week and we'll go from there. But great job. One month away. Midnight Madness in Kentucky. Let's get there. Let's do it. Cheers. Salon, congratulations, everybody.